Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. Hey, just before I get into my message, I, I, I just I saw, you know, the usher, he had the bucket there. And I'm like, oh, man, I forgot to even mention the bucket. Uh, we had the Propel Conference here just a matter of a few weeks ago. And one gentleman that was in attendance there, he lives here in Michigan, he says, I have a business. And he said, one of the things that I do is I provide offering buckets. Uh, and that's part of my business. It's part of, part of what I do. And he says, you know, I've got a product that we just actually designed, and it's a gray bucket. And he said, I was seeing the colors and things of your church. And he says, you know, I just thought, you know, if you'd be interested, I can get you some gray buckets. I'm like, sure. And he says, well, how many do you think you would need? I said, well, you know, really. I said, we just use a couple at this point in time. I said, but if we had maybe half a dozen, I said, you know, that would be good. You know, give us a couple for backup. And he said, well, hey, listen. He said, you know, six is good. He says, but, you know, if you've got a packed out house he says you need to move the offering along he says you know you need more than just a couple he says I'll, I'll get you hooked up and I'll let you know when they come in so he called me he says hey the the buckets came in he says I'll meet you at such and such a place and, and I'll get you your buckets I'm like well praise the Lord and so when he gets out of the van I mean he's got a box I'm thinking that's an awful big box I'm thinking you know I was only thinking a few but man I've got a case and so I open them up man there's 50 buckets in there and now you might say well what are you going to do with 50 buckets and I'm thinking God must just be getting us ready for the need of all the people we got to serve with offering buckets and I'm like praise yeah double I'm like praise God so I put a demand on those offering buckets they're kind of sitting idle right now but I'm calling those offering buckets to get used praise the Lord (laughs) so praise God God's faithful isn't he amen Amen. Now, if that worries you, me talking about a lot of offering buckets, listen, we only pass the buckets one time, so you'll only have one pass in front of you one time during a service, so you don't have to get nervous about that. You're like, how many times are you going to circulate those? (laughs) Oh, it's all right. Amen. Everybody say, it's all right. right. Amen. Good deal. Hey, listen, we have been talking in these midweek services. Concerning our identity, we've been talking about our identity that we have in Christ. And so drawing the parallel just to our natural identity and how that becomes who we are, whether it's your license, your passport, your birth certificate, or or whatever it might be. Once again, if you look at your license, or if you were to give me your license, or I was to give you mine, to look at that license, everything on that license is is an identification of who I am. If, I was to, if you was to see my license, you would see that uh, I have blue eyes. You would see that my address is here in Michigan. You would find out how old I was. You would find out how tall I was. You would find out how much I weigh, right? All those things are on your identification. So therefore, based on that ID, it begins to tell you something about me. So the fact that it says on my license that I'm a male... One of the things that you can draw the conclusion is, is that I probably like girls. Again, I know in our 
crazy culture, you know, that's all questionable nowadays. But you get the point, you know, guys like girls and girls like guys. So, you, well, he must like, like girls. And so he's of such an age, so he's probably married. He's probably a husband. And he's probably a dad based on the identification. You can make some general assumptions, right? And then in addition to that, you say, well, man, praise the Lord, he's, you know, uh, six foot one, you know, so therefore he's got some height to him. So therefore, based upon the identification of how tall I am, gives you the impression or gives you some assumption of how far I can reach, right? He's six foot something, man, he's probably got a little bit of a reach. But now you look at my wife's identification, her says five two. So immediately you're saying, well, you know what? Her reach is a whole lot different than his. How far or how high she can reach is a whole lot different than his because of her identification. Does that make sense? Now, also with that being said, based upon that identification, it also reveals something about how I can see or the ability of what I can see. Give you an example. If, if I go to the refrigerator and I say to my wife, I say, hey, baby, I say, where is the pizza? You just put it away. Where is it? And she's like, it's right there on the shelf. And I'm looking in the refrigerator, and I'm thinking, I can't see it. And so she comes over. She goes right here. Now, from my vantage point, I can't see it because where she put it was based upon her identification, right? But because of her identification or her height or how she functions and operates concerning her personalized identification, I can't see what she sees. Amen? Does that make sense? So again, when you think about it from the standpoint of our identification, it begins to say a lot about who we are. And so the Bible has a lot to say about our identification in Christ, who we are in Him. That tells me what I can expect. That tells me what I can look like. That tells me what I can begin to, uh, uh, begin to like and what my interest might be. <clears throat> How far I can reach or my ability to see based upon my identification. And so I want to pick up this evening in Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3 starting in verse 14 through 21. If you have your Bibles you can turn there. Our handy-dandy crack whip tech team, they'll probably have it up on the screen. <laughs> if the handy-dandy tech team hear what you say, then I have it up. Ephesians chapter 3, 14 through 21. And again, there's no pressure to get it up there. I just know that you've had it up there in the past. So anyways, Ephesians chapter 4, starting in chapter 3. Verses 14, or starting in 14, it says this. It says, For this reason I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might. Everybody say might. might. That word might is also translated as mighty power. So we could read it this way. It says, be strengthened with mighty power through his spirit in the inner man. Everybody say inner man. inner man. So it says that God strengthens my inner man with mighty power. Verse 17 goes on to say, it says that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, the height, 
And to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus, to all generations forever and ever. Amen. So once again, notice it says that there is power or mighty power that is strengthening our inward man. And then it goes on to say that in regards to this mighty power, that this mighty power is working on the inside. So what power is he talking about? Now this is the Apostle Paul. This is the Apostle Paul in much of what he writes in the New Testament is in connection to who we are in Christ, what we have in Christ, what belongs to us in Christ, and he references the power of God. And so this power he's talking about is the same power that we see over in Ephesians chapter 1 where it says, this power raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the Father. So that is the mighty power that is working in you. What kind of power is that? It's resurrection power. What kind of power is it? It's the same power that raised Christ from the dead that's working and abiding and residing in you. Amen? That's the power. Now, again, this power that we're talking about, Paul wasn't just talking about some 220, some 110 kind of power. No, this is the power that slapped the S off of Paul and made him, or off of Saul and made him Paul. This is the power that he came in contact with on the road to Damascus and knocked him to the ground. This is the power that set him on his course and changed his life forever. And this is the power that he's talking about, as we said, that has the ability to defeat death, to defeat hell, to erase sin. And not only that, raise Christ from the dead, but the Bible says that it has raised you as well. Not only has it raised Christ to be seated at the right hand of the Father, the Bible says that he raised us together with him as well. Now once again, this is Paul. And so many times we look at the Apostle Paul and say, man, Paul was the dude. I mean, Paul, he wrote you know, basically three-quarters of the New Testament. Paul was some superstar Christian. You know, he had the ability to know God in just such an amazing way. In fact, if, if Paul was alive today, he would be one of those superstar preachers that have five jets and whatever else, right? They, they, we look at him as though he was somebody special. But this Paul that was talking about the power of God that abides on the inside of us, this power that is at work within us, was the same Paul that was in jail. He wasn't just on some island somewhere writing these letters to the church. No, he was in jail writing these letters to the church. Paul, it was the same Paul that was beaten that was left for dead. It was the same Paul that was betrayed and forsaken by his friends. At the same time, it's the same Paul that wrote these things concerning the power of God. And it's the same Paul that went through all these things that said, these light afflictions don't move me. Come on. The Bible says he was beaten multiple times. 
You know, once again, we think of Paul being some superstar Christian. I can almost guarantee you that Paul had a few teeth missing. Paul may have had a limp in his walk. He may have had a couple knots on his head from all that he went through. And we're expecting this real stellar-looking guy. Now, he may, praise the Lord. <laughs> I'm going to preach at your church today, right? This is the guy that said, these light afflictions don't move me because I know of the power that's in me because I'm in him. But yet we get a little hangnail. Oh, praise the Lord, I'm sick. I can't go to church today. Oh, boo-hoo. Right? Or, you know, something happens and we think, well, dear God, I'm not going to give offering anymore because God never done nothing for me. <laughs> I mean, don't we have such a sad countenance about ourselves sometimes when it comes to this Christian life and we think we've got it so bad we haven't experienced nothing compared to Paul how many of you have gotten beaten been lynched tied to the the post how many of you been put in prison because of your faith in Jesus how many of you been forsaken by all because you've professed Jesus as Lord none of us have ever gone through that but yet we struggle to Walk in this relationship with God. And here Paul says, I've learned something. I've begun to identify or learn my identification in Christ. And in my identification, there is the power that raised Christ from the dead. And that same power is alive and working in me. So there's something about this power to those that believe. And this power is available to every believer. But just because this power is available does not mean that it's automatic or that this power is automatic to be in operation. It's available to every believer, right? I mean, it's no different than you. You've got power in your house. But if you don't turn the light switch on, you go around all day long and say, how come there's no lights on? I thought I had power. You look out the window, like, well, the neighbors, they got their lights on. What's up? It's because you didn't activate the power. The power is there. It's just not automatic to work. And so we've got to learn of this power that is on the inside. Ephesians chapter 6. In fact, let's turn there. Ephesians chapter 6. We'll begin in verse 10. I want you to see some things. Because you remember I said that concerning the power of God, it's in us. Now, what kind of power are we talking about? We're talking about resurrection power. We're talking about the power that conquers death. We're talking about the power that forgives sin. It's the power that's in us. So Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. So it's talking about the same power. But notice what he says. He says, now, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might or his mighty power. Did you notice there was something that was a precursor to the power? He says, be strong in the Lord. Right? So what does that mean? That means that I've got to have a relationship with him and have an understanding of this power that's working because it's the same power that raised him from the dead that's working in me. But if I don't have a relationship with him and knew how it worked in him, then I don't know how it works in me, even though it's in there. 
So be strong in the Lord and the power is might. Now notice what he goes on to say here in verse 11. It says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, against principalities and power, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. So notice what he says here. He says, now, the reason that you want to abide in this power is because there's opposition coming your way and you need to be able to stand. He says, you don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Your problem isn't with people. It's all the stuff behind the scenes going on to try to come against you, right? Have you ever noticed that there are people that just work to push your buttons? Well, do you know that the enemy just kind of assigns people just to mess with you? They're not knowingly aware of it. They're just influenced. They're just influenced by their attitudes or whatever it might be, but it's just simply a a device to annoy you, right? And he says, now... It's not the people. It's the enemy that is working against you. Why? Because he doesn't want you to function, operate, or know this power that is available. It goes on to say in verse 14, he says, Stand there, uh, stand therefore, having girded your waist with, tr- with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Take on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So, all the armor of God, he's using a picture to help you see it more clearly. He's telling you, now listen, you're in a spiritual battle. It's not with people. This power is available to you to be victorious, but you're going to have to put the armor on. You're thinking, well, dear God, what kind of armor do I have? The armor is the Word of God. Therefore, it's the Word of God that brings clarity, brings understanding as to what this power is and how it's available to you. It goes on to say here in verse 18, it says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end, and with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So now notice what it says. It says, not only is it the Word of God, it's praying in the Spirit. So there's the Word And praying in the Spirit that connects to tap you into the power and give you understanding of what the power is so that when the enemy comes, you'll be able to stand. Amen? All right, it goes on to say in verse 20. It says, For which I am also an ambassador in chains, that that I might be able to speak boldly as I ought to speak. So there's the third component. How is it that you grow in the wisdom of what God came to do and this power that is available to you? Number one, it's the Word of God. Number two, it's prayer. And number three, it's through the preaching or you having a teacher that teaches you. Remember he said that I would have boldness to teach you or to to speak, right? And so through those elements, we begin to learn and identify who we are in Christ and what this power is. 
And therefore, that connects us to Ephesians chapter 1. We've talked about this before. But in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul once again says, I'm praying that the eyes of your understanding are enlightened, that you come to know who Jesus is. Secondly, that you would come to know the call on your life. And third, what is the inheritance in the saints? Well, how do I learn about Jesus? Because everything about Jesus is the fact that he came to bring this power of resurrection. Secondly, I've got a call to be free and be saved through what Jesus came to do. And upon receiving that, I have the ability to walk in this inheritance. What's this inheritance? Everything that Jesus came to give me, including the power of God. Amen. And just below that, it says, according to the working of that power that is in us. So once again, God's not wanting us to be ignorant. He wants us to understand that there is power on the inside to help us walk in and experience this identity that we have in him. All right. So concerning your inner man, when your inner man is strong, I have the ability to walk in that which he came to give. But you see, I can either walk in my inner man or I can walk by my outer man, right? Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. When you're strong in the Lord, you will be satisfied in that which he came to give. Outside of that, you will never be satisfied with anything outside of what he came to give. What does that mean? Because my spirit, my inner man, longs to have fellowship with him. And in him, I find satisfaction and have everything that I have need of. But if I walk in the flesh... My flesh will always crave things. My, my flesh will have cravings for this and that because, because of its appetite. Why? Because my inner man desires to be satisfied. But if I'm not growing in my inner man, then what happens? My flesh man says, listen, feed me. I've got a craving. Right? I mean, listen, I, 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 just, I, I, I need some food. Have you ever been that way? Man, I'm just hungry for something, man. I just... Give me some mashed potatoes or something fried, man. I want some fried food. Have you ever been that way? And, and, and you, I mean, you feed your face, and you're thinking, I, I, I got a hankering for something, and you're just feeding your face, and you sit there, and you're thinking, I'm just not satisfied. Just not satisfied. Why? Because there is an inward hunger that's not being fed. Therefore, the flesh man can never be satisfied. That's why so many people turn to substance and think, oh, that will satisfy me. But the next day, they're like, I'm not satisfied. Right? Or we've all been there. I just want to buy something. Come on. I just want to buy. I want to go shopping. Do I got any people? <laughs> yeah, we're, I think we could all be that, right? You, you know, a car will not give you satisfaction. A house will not give you satisfaction. Stuff will not give you satisfaction. It might give you momentary gratification, but it won't bring satisfaction. Because it's only the spirit that is satisfied through God. And if we don't satisfy our spirit, the flesh 
looks to this, looks to that. Have you ever known somebody that was just so desiring of a person? I just need somebody. I just need somebody. I'm so lonely. I just need somebody. <laughs> I'm not making light of it. I'm sorry. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. They're, just, they're so needy to have somebody in their life thinking that somebody will satisfy the crave. No person will ever satisfy what God was meant to satisfy. But if we learn how to be satisfied in Him, all the other is just icing on the cake. See, think about that. Why is it difficult for some people to give? Because they find satisfaction in what they have or the money that they have or the freedom that they have. And therefore, it's fearful to give because I haven't had my complete fulfillment of knowing that God is my provider because I'm in Him. And therefore, i got to hang on tightly to this because if I give it, I may not get it back or I may not ever see it again. But the moment I begin, man, God loves me. Did you notice when we read it, it says, the, the length, the breadth, the height, the depth. Come on. There is so much of God. And He says, I just love you. Come on, if we knew how much God loves us, it would begin to change how we identify ourselves. Amen? All right. Concerning your personal life, there's nothing that you're facing right now that the power of God can't break. There's no situation. There's no sickness. There's no poverty. There's no mental illness. There's nothing that the power of God can't break. But unfortunately, what we end up doing is we let the devil bully us because we're not confident or we don't know who we are in him. You see, when you begin to understand, remember we said concerning that power? It says this power, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and power, right? So the enemy wants to come and bully you. But when you know your identification in Christ and what's in you, you won't allow the enemy to bully you anymore. I'll give you an example. You know, I, you've heard me share these stories about this being in karate, you know, being in my, in my teenage years for a number of years, I was in karate. And so because of that, there's something that you know you have on the inside. And so because you know what you have on the inside, it produces a confidence. Now, you see my oldest daughter, she's a very thin girl, well, just cut her hair off and make her a boy, and there, there's me. <laughs> I was a very thin kid growing up. And so because I knew who I, who I was or had confidence in myself and I knew what was in me, I carried myself in a way that I refused to be bullied. So therefore, if I'm walking down the hall, and some of this is my nature, you know, but if I'm walking down the hall and some bully guy, you know, wants to, knock into you, well, I'm going to knock back into you. Why? Because you're not going to do that to me. Well, then what happens? There's confrontation. It's like, who's this skinny kid? And the, the, skinny, the skinny kid says, what you going to do? Well, why do I turn around and stand against the bully? It's because I knew what was on the inside of me. I knew what I could do or knew what I had at my disposal. You say, well, were you scared were you were you not scared because you, you knew karate 
anytime there's a confrontation, you're scared. Thinking, dear God, I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to get beat up. You know, you know, you, that's just the human nature. But my point is that because you know what's in you, regardless of the natural man or the emotions being fearful or being scared, you still stand up to the bully and say, I know what's in me, and we're not going to do this. Right? Why? Because of what's inside the power. And so the enemy is the same way. If he can get away with bullying you, he will bully you day and night. You know, the Bible says that fear is tormenting. If you've ever been tormented by fear, you know what I'm talking about. And and you say, well, fear, it could be worry, it could be depression, it could be anxiety, it could be whatever. It could be problems in your marriage, it could be problems in your money, it could be problems in your physical health. If it begins to get into your into your mind, into your thought life, it becomes tormenting, right? I mean, you don't just say, oh, you know, I'll think about it right now and, you know, I'll come back to it later. It just gnaws at you all day long, doesn't it? You think about it, you talk about it, you're analyzing it, you're checking it out on, you know, Google. What's Google say about this thing, right? That's our nature. It's tormenting, but the Bible says that the power of God within us can break the hold, break the chains of whatever's on the inside. It removes the fear of failure. Why can I be confident and not be fearful of failure? It's because I know how much God loves me. Think about that. There are those that say, you know what? I just need to get a high because of what I'm dealing with. The Bible says that the love of God has height to it. So however high you think you need to get, God's love can reach the high. It don't matter how far you go to the right or to the left. The Bible says that he's got the breadth and the length. And it don't matter how deep and how dark you feel that you've gotten or how deep the hole is. The love of God can go to the deepest depths to find you and to empower you to get out of it. And when I know that God loves me, It removes the fear of failure. Amen? You're not stuck in your position. And furthermore, you're not stuck with your personality. (laughs) I said you're not stuck with your personality. For some of you, that's good news. For some of you, you might say, I wish my spouse would take hold of that. (laughs) But your personality is a byproduct of all these other things. But the love of God has the ability to shift who you are, to change your identity, right? To change the very nature of how you approach life. Again, concerning this power, it raised Christ from the dead. It did not just raise Jesus from the dead physically. It raised him from the dead spiritually. And it raised him from the dead solically. So that means that this power that's in us has the ability to change this physical body. It has the ability to change this mind, my thoughts, my emotions. It has the ability to change this spirit. This spirit man, this inner man that was destined to go to hell, but upon receiving Jesus, I now have life everlasting, right? Because of the power. The power that was made available. Once again, this power on the inside is the power to experience freedom. 
So let me just paint one story before I close. You know, I've talked before just recently about the woman with the issue of blood. The Bible says that the woman with the issue of blood was sick for 12 years. Remember the story? And the Bible says that she went to Jesus. And the Bible says that when she touched him, power left him and healed her body. With one touch, it changed and stopped 12 years. Did you hear that? As she approached Jesus, she had 12 years of sickness, 12 years of discouragement, 12 years of heartache. In one touch, 12 years came to an end, and a new day started. So once again, it doesn't matter what your physical body says right now. It doesn't matter what your mind is feeling right now. It doesn't matter how you feel inside right now. When I begin to identify with the power of God that is on the inside of me, it has the ability to change my entire past and give it a brand new start. It changes my identity and who I am. My wife... She was known as Kelly Cher, but in one touch, in one encounter, with one exchange, her identity was forever changed. She's now Kelly Umber, right? So she's a brand new person. The identity on the license said one thing, and just with one decision, the identity changed. So it's within our choice. It's within our ability. What do you want the next 12 years to look like? Amen. Amen. All right. I'll leave it on that note. But with that being said, did anybody learn anything? Did anything yes, subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites which can be found at our website gvchurch.tv we know that today's message has been a blessing to you thanks for listening we are genesee valley church loving god loving people and loving life